Well, welcome back to Don't Slam Your Podcast. I write that we're reviewing an episode called Sticky Fingers. We are recording this episode on the 19th of July, which is the hottest day on British record. And I am sticky. Horrible, but it's going to be a fun chat. I've got a brand new guest today. He is a British comedy fan and he is the host of The Goon Pod, which is, of course, a podcast tribute to The Goon Show. And I'm really pleased to be joined by Tyler. Tyler Adams, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Well, I'm sticky as well. We're very sticky. Um, and I've got fingers. I'm sure you have too. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm very well. Thank you for allowing me to come on and talk about this very fine show. Oh, no, thank you very much. It's, it's great to meet another fellow podcaster and podcaster on a, com- a com- British comedy as well. Mm-hmm. Always great to, to meet each other. And it's a, like a little group. So it's, it's always nice to be, especially the group that we probably weren't in as kids and teenagers. Because I don't know about you, but growing up, I wasn't exactly having chats about 2.4 children with my fellow peers or even in most British comedy, even oh, the modern snap. ones. Well, you can imagine because i'm i think you're only what are you still in your 20s i'm 27 10? yeah i'm 27 yeah well i'm i'm about i've got a good 20 years on you so i was at secondary school before you were even thought of um and yeah. uh and i i was into things like the goonie show yes. even then that was 40 years old in the ni- early 90s yeah and that was something that i didn't feel like it was almost like a, a little secret that i had from my friends yeah. we were we were into python Monty Python, and we were into things like Bottom and certainly Blackadder. But I had to kind of, yeah, my my um, penchant for the goons and for Peter Sellers and Spike Milligan in general, I kind of kept that. Yeah, I think there's always that feeling when you're growing up that you have to always like the modern stuff. And if you like anything old, it's uncool. And then you get older and you realise actually the people who look down on the old stuff are missing out themselves. So it's all, it, it turns eventually, I think. Yeah, actually, when I was, yeah, just you saying that, when I was probably what 16 17 the, everyone was all about Vic and Bob it was it was Vic, Vic and Bob uh, well Vic Reeves Big Night Out that was the that was the comedy that everyone was you know that was the trendy comedy that ev- all my peers were raving on about yeah and did you did you enjoy it yeah I um at first I kind of took against it or no I didn't take against it. I kind of thought I don't know I just I was I was contrary bugger and I just kind of thought I'm not really, I'm not gonna like this I'm not gonna follow the herd I'm not gonna you know I'm yeah. gonna play on my own follow and then I actually watched a few episodes and just really really loved it and then yeah so I, I've gone on to, to become a huge fan of Vic and Bob amazing and so as I do with all my new guests I go through the 2.4 initiation just asking some questions about your experience with 2.4 children so the first question is um when did you first discover 2.4 children well that's a good question because I know that right so yeah, I always have to explain this because people who hear me for the first time do detect an accent even a faint accent so I, I'm, a, I'm a Kiwi I'm originally born and brought up in New Zealand and um, but I came to live in in well I actually came to live in Belfast in Northern Ireland in the very early 90s so 91 and my uncle who I was living with at the time he was mad on on telecomedy okay so um he introduced me to things like Rabsy Nesbitt and he used to watch uh, 2.4 children and I know that I watched a few episodes from probably the first series second series maybe but I didn't really settle down and I suppose watch it regularly until I moved to Manchester, which would have been 95, 94, 95. So my memory of the show, and as I said to you, you know, before we started, you know, I'm not an expert. I've not seen every episode and I, I don't have the encyclopedic knowledge that you and your guests have, but I've, I've seen quite a few of them over the years and I really, really enjoy it. But 
it kind of, it just seemed, it was one of those, in terms of when it was going out, scheduled, I think a lot of the times it just coincided with me, you know, being out or doing things or being in relationships or whatever it might be. So, I, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the thing that I sort of stayed in and watched every single week. But you remember it around the same, around the time it was on, it was, it was oh, around. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was yeah. around. Yeah. I, I can, I mean, I can, the, the thing about it is I really like the fact, well, I like, Andrew, it's Andrew Marshall's, is the main writer is he the only writer or he wrote a there was a couple of episodes in seven series that he shared with other writers because he was doing another sitcom and he just sort of with the scheduling it made sense but yeah he uh, he wrote the 56 episode he wrote like 53 of them so yeah he is the main writer and creator yeah so i like his i i'd liked his work with david renwick as well so i'd liked things like uh, what's apocalypse and 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 then i always remember thinking it was quite nice that both of them had a hit sitcom in their own right you know which pretty much spanned them well it did span the 90s didn't it yeah and i like the fact that i guess they both had this penchant this this tendency to have in these really sort of bizarre climactic scenes in the, in all their episodes where there's some surreal image or, or something something really bizarre something really unusual or even shocking can happen because i remember and i think it caused some controversy because i remember um there was an episode with the fish the yes. fish pond and i remember everyone was going on about the fact that these poor fish had been what they'd been left to die on the ground or something and was that was that the it was um, it was an episode. I think what it was. Yeah, basically, it's it's the D series five where they're looking after the, the, the running gag is they look after their neighbors' houses and and the pets and then they the pets just seem to die in quite nasty ways, not always intentionally. Well, right. they're never intentionally. But yep. the this episode was where they 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 find the fish. They don't realize they're looking at there's something in the house. They find the fish in the pond dead. They go and buy new fish. They then have these big bags. They go to a petrol station like spray water in it and then the the, the bag bursts and the fish across the floor yes, of the ground. yes yep 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 point of view but, about andrew said point is to point of view apparently yeah got some letters about that <laughs> okay, okay yeah yeah why oh what dear points of view why oh why do we have to see this animal abuse on our screen so it'll be that sort of that sort of letter that they've yes. got from points of view but it's it's the set piece scenes that that i remember clearly there's a star trek funeral Yes. Episode. Oh, and there's also there's the there's the episode that I was very taken with, which was a parody, or at least part of it parodied the Prisoner TV series. Yeah. So yeah, although I may not remember each episode in detail, I I certainly do remember aspects of them. You know. Absolutely. I mean, the Prisoner episode is uh, combined with a a an episode scene where well, it's another storyline where Rona and Bill go to a warehouse looking for somewhere to build their catering business and obviously this episode that we're going to talk about you see the mm-hmm. development of that but in the yep. series that they were doing it they went by a warehouse and they found a, a storage place where Shirley Bassey leaves her dresses and they dress up and do a bit of miming and that episode is a real fan favorite it probably is one of the most popular episodes of the show so the fact that you remember it is, is yeah. pretty telling because that's why what everyone it's one people remember so vividly it, what year would that have been mid 90s with that 95 that one would have been out oh yeah. that's per- that was perfect that would have been when i would have, would have been watching it quite yeah. regularly funnily enough i live in manchester and i was born in 95 so it, i think this 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 meeting is is kind of written in the stars i think oh yes absolutely and so what is your favorite episode yeah i mean we mentioned a few set pieces but what episode sticks sticks in your mind the the one which 
the, the one that sticks in my mind, and I don't know why, because nothing, nothing, it's not, it's actually, it sort of goes against what I said before. From my memory, and not a lot happens in it, in the sense it's when Bill wants the family to spend more time, sort of meaningful time together. And 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 there's a, um, a fuse goes, and she and it, she gets the fuse wire and puts it in an envelope and posts it so that so that the family can spend more time together. And it's one of those sort of '90s episodes of television where you know, like a family sitcom, where it's quite, it, it's quite a contrast with today, where you see you know the children or the kids are actually. You know, they're having to physically be in the same room as their parents in order to watch the TV or to listen to the stereo. I've got a, I think I've got a bit of a thing for, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call this a bottle episode, but I think it's from my memory, it's an episode where there's no big, huge set piece scene other than, other than um, Ben. I mean, I know Ben at the end ends up climbing into the bedroom of the neighbors. These would be the, this would be the neighbors, the group, the Grimes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Fish. But uh, I do like, episodes of sitcoms where not a lot happens where there's just it's sort of more set you know in one or two one or two sort of locations yes. and a lot of dialogue so that's that episode sticks my mind as a, as a favorite it's a really great a, a piece of writing for me because it, as you say it's um it is mostly set in in the, the house and the family are trying to find different ways of sort of passing the time yeah and the, the, it's just really great writing. I think they play a game where they write things on the, um, it's not quite charades, but something similar to charades, or maybe yeah. charades. Um, but, you know, the, the acting is so, the, the, there's such chemistry there. And I really, I love that one. So Family Plot from Series 4, if you want to revisit it, that's the one. Oh, Family Plot. Yeah, um, yeah, Family Plot. That's another thing. It's that Marshall used, to, the titles were often, titles of the episodes were often based off films, or in this case, like the one we're going to talk about today, an album because family plot was, was hitchcock's penultimate no it was his, it was his last film actually family yeah. plot. um so again you know um, it shows that marshall was putting a little bit more time and effort and thought into the you know every every element oh yeah definitely 100 percent. and it's i think one of the things i always like about andrew's writing and i think family plot sums it up well and, and there's other moments very similar to this where it almost there's premonitions to the future a little bit. The way that they talk about only having four channels, yeah, as if that's the you know it's just it's showing the world and how things would change. And then there's, I think there's there's you're talking about bottle episodes and stuff. That there's a brilliant one in the third series um, called "When the Children Are Asleep," which is mm. when Ben Bill sees uh, she thinks the next door neighbor. It's all Grimes again. She thinks they're being burgled. And so her and Ben spend most of the middle of the whole night basically wondering what how to approach the situation. And there's a it's and it's almost like a two-hander, really. The, the, yes. the Jenny and David are barely in it. Rona has a very small scene, but it's just Belinda and Gary. And it's a great scene where Ben says, you know, one day there will only ever be channels showing stuff that will never old stuff that will never want to watch again. And it's just funny. It's it's pre it's it's seen. I mean, Forces TV is just finished. Yeah, unfortunately, but oh, you know, know, yeah, which is yeah. such a shame because obviously it had some stuff that people did like to revisit, like classic Doctor Who, Blake Seven, real classic telly. But then there've been some quite obscure stuff on there that people actually liked watching again. And so it just it it he, he Marsh has a very interesting mind, I think, in terms of how he sees things and 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 you know see how how things go in a certain direction and then without knowing it predict things that kind of come true and actually there's a few things in this episode as well that 
in a post-COVID world, as you can see very differently. Mm, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and so you've, you've so you 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 know you've you had quite a bit more of a jo- sort of you've seen episodes you remember more of than, than that. But do you remember any particular series of the show or, or a time period that you think yeah, you admired? I, I know that I was say I was living in Manchester just because of circumstances. I was spending a lot more time at home. Uh, I just remember watching, and it would have been ninety five, pretty much an entire series of it then so I'm not sure what series that was it's the fifth um, series and, that, and I, that's and most people's favorite and I know I taped some for sure yes. and I used to tape a lot of stuff yeah um but but then I remember watching some later ones as well I was very as everyone I'm sure who's been on been on the show has, has said I was very shocked by um Gary's premature passing yes and it was such a shame because he what was he 40 42 42 Money, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've definitely seen the episode we're going to talk about today. I've definitely seen before uh, for reasons that I will explain later. But uh, no, but it's, uh, yeah. So sorry, series five. Did you say he was forty-two? Yeah, he was forty-two. And I think what's sad about this final series is I've learned recently. I think the final series was filmed quite close to the broadcast, so and close to his diagnosis, which means I... this series is probably this these episodes. Well, he died not that nine months after them, which makes it even harder to watch. But you know how brilliant he's, whatever the circumstances he was going through, he delivers. And in this episode, especially, God, he's just so good. Oh, yeah. I like the fact that I remember having my mind blown when I found out years ago that he was married to Candy Davis. Yes. Um, who's obviously um, fans of Big Circle now. She was the glamorous Miss Belfridge. Yes, um, <laughs> and um, yeah. and she she died recently. She was a novelist, Mo. Uh, Mo um, what's her name? Mo Hader. Yes, and it's it's famous. interesting you say this because my dad mentioned it recently um, because mm. he remembers. Um, Are you being served as well? And remembers that does. character. Mm. <laughs> yes, and he said, you know, what's really interesting, and I've read a bit of, about her. You know, considering this character she played on Are You Being Served, quite um, well, she's she's ditzy. But in real life, she wrote these really deep and and very intelligent thrillers under the the. the I think her name, her first her full name was um, Beatrice Claire Dunkel, but her pen name as a as an author was Mohada. And so mm-hmm. you know, it's amazing. She was this glamorous woman, but and 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 just you know, on 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 TV played this actually ditzy woman, but in real life, such an intelligent lady. And 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 yeah, she died very only actually she died a year ago last July at fifty nine of motor neuron disease very sadly oh. um but yeah she, well, she's very talented was she still married to gary when he died no their, their marriage was only between the 80s and 90s his it was okay. his first marriage then he married a lady called jane who was australian they had two children there that's when he, and and he went to australia after his diagnosis and that's where he passed right so that was his and so it's his, it's his widow jane sure and who is your favorite character Oh, it's Ben, without a doubt. Yeah, 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 yeah. I um, I just, I just think he's constantly, endlessly entertaining. He's, he's like a grown schoolboy a lot of the time, and he's just, he, you just can't take your eyes off him. I do find you're probably going to shout at me for saying this, but the the, the kids, um, I find or found often a little bit annoying. <laughs> I, mean, I would they- be quite happy just to see Bill and Ben. 
I mean, yeah. kids are kids. <laughs> yeah. I haven't got yeah. a paternal bone in my body, so I'm, I'm always very happy to be with adults, but I, I don't. I like the kids. Compared to other sitcom characters, children i do like um i like jenny and david well i guess the closest although it's streets ahead but the closest com- comparable contemporaneous sitcom which is like a well not a mother and father but a grown man grown woman and her kids would have been the upper hand that yeah. would have been around the same time that yes. was awful and the kids in that were just obnoxious absolutely yeah. obnoxious um and as um, my family was so soon after this was it yeah, very family? very soon after it actually um yeah. and and ditto in, in terms of the obnoxiousness from what i i, did, I didn't watch that very much no. um, but but my memory is that the kids were just whereas i don't know maybe um maybe uh, jenny um wasn't quite so bad and um i i just think um david i don't know he just kind of i just i just found him a little bit irritating yeah, I mean, the thing about David is he was, I mean, of course, whereas with, with I mean, I think the kids' ages were kind of, they, they, they played with the ages quite a bit. I think they were at least the same age for three series. But comparing Jenny and David, Jenny's a teenager at the beginning mm. of the show and not too far off the same age by the end, whereas David was almost a child mm. in series mm. one and then a, yeah. a grown man. And again, it's weird how this conversation is going and, and linking to the episode, because I think... What's clear about this episode is how you see them grown up. I think that's a big part of this episode and how yeah. much has changed. Yeah, because there's a there's a very t- touching moment with Jenny and the older women. Yeah, if, if I could call them that. Yes. Um, by the way, Julia Hills, I knew from uh, from um, shows like Who Dares Wins yes. in the eighties, and she was uh, she was all, she was on, in a lot of stuff in the eighties. I, I I knew um, Belinda from. I was really fond of Dear John in the 80s, and she yes. was in that, wasn't she? She was the, she was. Um, the rather neurotic lady who I think John had a bit of a, th- a thing for. Yeah. If I remember correctly. But I didn't know, I didn't know um, Gary from anything else. I think it was, well, he, he, he's probably before this, he was best known. He was in the original uh, series of The Bill as a police officer in The Bill. Oh, was he? Oh, um, okay. for, and and uh, he did, I think, yeah, he was, The Bill's probably was his big break he was also in a series in, in, on channel four which is probably not well remembered in, in in sort of grand tv classic terms but it's very fondly remembered by everyone who watched it something called prospects which was sort of a mid-80s comedy drama i it's i think it, it for a lot of people it captures thatcher's britain very well com- right. as being a contemporary 80s drama of capturing that time so well um, yeah. and people remember him as much for fondly remember it was one of those it, it was kind of popular not massively popular but it's very well remembered and and for him especially so um sure it's worth yeah. checking that out i'd like to eventually so the final two questions of the initiation is always an interesting one because obviously most of my guests watch the show originally but there are some who watch it who are my age who, who watched it later who didn't obviously not born too young sorry to say <laughs> when it was yeah. first on so the first so my first question having watched it when it was on originally and watching some again now do you think it's aged well yeah um yes Yes, it has. I mean, the the problem is we live in a world with, with things like mobile phones, the internet. The nineties was when 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 you lived in the nineties, when you grew up in the nineties, you know, it, it was streets ahead of everything that had gone before. Yes. And you thought, my God, I'm living at it's the end of history, as it was called, you know. Yes. Um, but it date it, the nineties dated. I, I I think this it's a it's a you know it's an it's a it's a, it's a sitcom with an audience which seems to be 
at a favor at the moment these days. Um, I think The Office, although it's a great show, I think it, it caused a lot of subsequent harm because it very much kind of did away, till Miranda anyway, did away with the I'm glad more. someone else has said it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you, but I think pretentious comedy came back after The Office as well. Cringe comedy. Mm. Yeah. I'm seeing shows now, bear in mind The Office was 20 years ago, mm. where I can see writers who were kids when they watched The Office trying to emulate it and failing. They're trying not to bring in jokes. They're trying to be wry. They're trying to be, as you say, cringeworthy. But in the process, it's just a bit flat. Yeah. There was a there was a very much a, a trend after the office, which I think continues even to this day. You know, in every in, in comedies, in adverts, even, you know, TV adverts, where someone will do something outrageous or say something outrageous, and everyone in the room will kind of just stop what they're doing and stand still, possibly with their mouths slightly open, just kind of staring, yeah, not saying anything, and then and then it sort of things move on you know what i mean whereas it, in in the real world someone would go and you know talk to them have a word talk to, <laughs> say something or deck that person yeah. or whatever it may be yeah. you know yeah and that's all down to the office which i mean look it was a classic it's a great show but it just spawned a hell of a lot of dross yeah i agree i completely agree uh i i i, I wish there was more variety it may just be a, a, a dry period now and hopefully it might things might come back in a few years. But it's interesting yeah. what you say about the 90s. I mean, this is 99 and my memory is very much 2000s, although I have some memories from... I, I remember the Millennium night, mm. which is mm. how the show ends. But it's interesting watching this and thinking, literally, I have very clear memories of a time two, three years later and it feels like the world was so different from what I see mm. in this show. The time from the late 90s to the early 2000s feels astronomical, more so than late, early 90s to late 90s. It feels not as big, whereas the, the, the beginning of the end of the 90s and the beginning of the 2000s just feels like a completely different, you know, different oh, overall. Without getting too heavy here and going off the subject, but it's a, it, 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 can, it cannot be understated how much of an overall impact 9-11 had. Yes, just in 100%. terms of of human narrative or human just just the world, oh, yeah. well, the world, and and everything changed after that. Um, and then yeah, even so so yeah, by September the twelfth, two thousand and one, yeah. you look back at ninety nine, think back about nineteen ninety nine, nineteen ninety eight, you think, geez, yeah. that was that was a long time ago. You know, oh, they they were healthier days, weren't they? You know, is <laughs> Ali. Um... September twelfth is actually Gary's uh, passing day, anniversary. He died in two thousand on September twelfth. Just before oh, me, right. before I, sadly. Oh, um, yeah. So it's a, it definitely a long time ago now. In in yes. just the show being on him passing and then nine eleven and 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 what I always say about two point four, you know, with 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 the question of how well it's aged. I've said this a, a few times, but I I, can't, I don't think you can understate this enough. I agree with what you say about how everything changed after nine eleven in in every aspect of culture and life. Mm. And I think the nineties do. I think people genuinely look back on the nineties. With as uh, with you can always look at any time in history with rose tinted eyes, glasses. Mm. But genuinely, I think that when you watch certain shows, the nineties had an innocence. Okay, granted, there were a lot of things that were not good about the nineties. A lot, a lot of things that are better now. But I think just it was a freer, more innocent time in some yeah. ways. But like any every era, whether you like it or not, every era has its pros and cons. And things that were a problem in the nineties aren't now, and things that will be a problem now will be will be in twenty years time. 
So, so, so with, with, with discussions about other shows over there, like classics and stuff, why do you think it's been forgotten about 2.4? Because it definitely hasn't had the same discussion around it as other comedies. Yeah, that's, that's very true. It's never had, a, it's never been released on, well, the full eight, like eight series haven't been released as a box set, have they? No. Um, a lot of that, never... well, that's all down to co- copyright issues, unfortunately. So that's a bit more, right? Okay. I mean, ad- a logistic admin side. Yeah, but it was never. It was never. I mean, I know it got really good ratings and it, it, it was very popular, but was it just easily dismissed by people as you know, people who didn't really watch it as just um, a family-friendly, fairly you know, paint-by-numbers sitcom, primetime sitcom? Yeah. I think the more that I do this podcast, the more I read about it, the more I talk to people and the more I think about it. That's the conclusion I come to, because I think where is my family, which I, again, I talk a lot about because too many people consider 2.4 as a precursor to my family, which take away the family dynamic as a series that couldn't be more miles apart. But what I always say about with 2.4 is there are two kinds of people who, who, who there's always a thing about Marmite TV. Something like Mrs. Brown's Boys is Marmite TV, mm. which is people watch it and they either actively love it or actively hate it. My mm. family, I think, is the same. With 2.4, I think the, the people who claim not to like it have an assumption of it before they watch it, may watch it, but then sort of have this stone-faced expression while they're watching it, like, I don't, I'm not going to laugh at this. I'm not going to try and see this for what it is. But the difference, I think, for the people who love 2.4 compared to those who love my family and those who love Mrs. Brown's boys, and I've found, again, I've noticed this more getting to know fans, people absolutely adore it. They, they, they really savour it. They really admire everything that it was doing. And partly because, as well, it hasn't had the same conversation around it. I think there's a, there's a real protection around it, actually. From the, I, I think it's a cult show. And, that's, and I say that, I think culture, the cult shows are the best. Yeah, they're better than oh, mainstream dross. Yeah. Which yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Sorry, this was a mainstream show and it got mainstream viewing figures, but it has, I think, in the long run, been more of a cult show. And I think that's a, you know the the, the, the people who, who really just they they really say they they adore it, they savor it, and those who don't like it dismiss it, but don't. But but whereas with my family, I can I enjoy it for what it is, but I can appreciate people who don't like it. And even I know it's not very good, really, at its heart. But you know, I've watched yeah, it, and I, people don't watch two point four, but have an opinion of it. Yeah. Can I add to some borderline heresy possibly here? Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. There's two things that possibly, and you you will probably completely disagree with me, and that's absolutely within your right to do so. Two things I feel could possibly have benefited this show and could have made it. I mean, a lot of people watched it, don't get me wrong, but it, you know, maybe more people may have watched or more or less, fewer people might have dismissed it so easily if it had a different name. I struggle, like the name itself just screams family sitcom. Not that there's anything wrong with family sitcom, but to a lot of people that just, you know, that's automatically going to be drop. It's, it's going to be dropping down the ranks as yes. they're concerned yes. with that. I, I don't particularly like the title. I wish it had been called something like, we can't really call it Bill and Ben because people think it's the flower pot name, but yes, something, yeah. something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Something yeah. else, something else that doesn't scream family. And I just found the, the 2.4 children title sequence. The music and everything just a little bit uh, a little bit too safe a little bit too twee i'm not talking about edgy comedy or anything mm. or edgy yeah. 
dark dramatic music or dark dramatic images in the title sequence. But it yeah. just, it can't, maybe it was parodying the family, the safe family yeah. sitcom, possibly. That's how I've but, always seen it. The, right. the credits it's almost you're watching it you feel you know what you're going in for and then actually this all these weird things happen you think oh hang on this is not what people might have signed up to for me i've always preferred the river dance opening sequence from the sixth to seventh series i think that's a really quirky look the clip shows was was kind of the thing at the time you know golden girls and friends did it yeah, yeah. the ones that, that are in the series eight they were done i think as a necessity because of the change of the aspect ratio okay but yeah, no, I, I think I get what you're saying. I, I think I think unfor- just unfortunately, because it was a family sitcom, even though it was a very different kind of family sitcom, all of it just conspired against it, despite it being a popular show. But I think fair points, I think. Yeah, and what do I know? But it, it, it's, um... it's, it's one of those. I think I'm just grateful that, that at last it's now on iPlayer and BritBox to really mm. build up on its, its, its appeal. This is, this is, what, 28 minutes packed with, with no fat. It's, um, no. it's very lean. Yeah. But, and everything pays off. And, and there's also a bit of, um, you sort of misfooted it. Is that the word? Misfooted? No, I don't, I don't think that's a word. But um, you, there's, there's, a, there's a few little things that you think are going to pay off, which don't mm. pay off, but, but pay off in a different way. Yes. If you know what I mean. And uh, this episode, very enjoyable. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Tyler. You, you've passed your initiation. You, you're always going to. And before we go into the review for Sticky Fingers, as ever, we are joined by Andrew Marshall for a memory. Hello again. First, uh, a little thing I forgot to tell you about last week's episode, uh, also regarding the set. You'll notice that the upstairs of the house was configured slightly differently to the rest of the series. Previously, throughout all the other episodes, David's room, which is at the back of the house, was on a sort of half landing together with the bathroom. And then there were some more stairs which led upwards to Jenny's room and the main bedroom that Bill and Ben occupy. Now, um, when we came to make uh, this series, the budgets were even tighter than the previous series, and raising a set above the ground requires a whole lot of roster, which are very expensive, and so they persuaded us that it just wasn't worth the money for the, the small amount of time that we should upstairs, that uh, we should raise the front of the house set. So it's all actually on one level. I was never very happy about this, and neither was Belinda, because we've always taken enormous care to make sure that the set, you know, con- conforms to your mental image of what the house is like. But uh, we really had no alternative this time, so I'm afraid. It is slightly different. I wonder how many of you spotted that. Right, now we come to Sticky Fingers, named after a Rolling Stones album, and also referring to Bill and Rona gluing tiles down in their industrial union and all the, all the trouble that uh, causes. This is one of my uh, really favourite episodes. It has some great visual effects. You'll notice that in the story, when Ben takes the boyfriend down to a place where he's uh, decided he's going to try and 
wear him out by making him push up a, a piano up an enormous hill. You'll see we first showed them both going down various steps and various slopes and things to set up the idea that there was a, a huge hill to climb. And so when Ben unexpectedly produces this piano, which he makes Keith push up a hill, you're all set up and you know exactly what's going to happen. So Keith pushes the piano right up the hill, eventually to the set of steps, which are the thing at the very top. And we had a very interesting special rig built, which Gary was sitting on top of the piano, and the piano would sort of apparently bump down the steps. This was a special physical device that they built for us. And they also built for us for when the piano goes completely down the hill and across a road later on, a kind of car <laughs> that's, or, or I don't know, movable piano that, that they were steering somehow or other, which is another great physical effect. There's some great stuff in this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Sticky fingers. The opening credits is very typical of series eight. We still have the, the sort of illustration of the street and there's a little seg element that is unique to the episode. So in this part, we see a dog walk between the first two houses, animated dog, and then we cut straight to a scene of Harry, the dog on the sofa. David calls for Harry and runs downstairs with Declan carrying a frisbee. Harry's hides underneath the dining room table. And then Bill asks why David has sellotaped a sausage to the frisbee. And Dave says they're going down to the parts so they want to teach Harry how to catch it. I mean, that's quite genius, actually. I've, I've never <laughs> thought of that myself, to be honest. I wrote my first note. Obviously, I was taking notes. My first note was sellotaping a sausage to a frisbee. Isn't that lovely? And I like how <laughs> Bill's just the most simple, you know, she's kind of responsible. She's like, oh, wonderful. We'll have a toothless dog because she just knows what's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, he's just going to ruin his teeth trying to get the sausage. So sorry to cut in straight away, because mm. um, Declan, I wasn't, I couldn't remember Declan the character. So yes. what's his? What, just very briefly, what's his? He, I guess he's a foster child. Yeah. Yes. So at the end of the seventh series, uh, they send Jenny to university, and when they drop her off, they are conf- well, their their van is broken into by a group of, of lads, who. Uh, want to steal things and one of the kids who don't who's stuck there and 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 sort of doesn't get out in time is Declan now he was played by a different actor um the first guy lad was called Mitchell Ray and they I well Andrew mentioned in the first episode of this series that uh, the decision to um change the actor was he couldn't quite remember the full details but it was more to do with possibly experience of studio recording so uh, don't fully don't get the full details i'm not 100 sure but they they then cast alex q who was i remember from a, a children's itv comedy called my parents are aliens from the early oh, 2000s yeah. so he's that. that's um that's where i know him from so he, he replaced declan but yeah declan in this series they are wanting to foster him and and, it, and that's the story out for the series is them sure. trying to game it's, an, it's a game to, to navigate into family life and so bill stops them leaving and asks if that's the only place they're going and and what i like about with declan we've already seen him meet um bets and um, bet liz smith bill's yeah. mom and what's really interesting about declan is he he's obviously had a very different beginning of life compared to the, the boat well i suppose bill and ben but definitely david and jenny you know he's, he's had very unstable life um mum's not very caring and he's been on the street and and stuff but he's a bit more streetwise 
and he comes in with a very different outlook on things. But Bill is very aware of his past and very much, even though I think deep down admires that he's a bit more streetwise and a bit cleverer than certainly Ben. She knows with his with his out um, his his upbringing, he needs discipline and so she says um well you won't be needing any money then give it here she just knows instantly that's the thing about bill so even with mm-hmm. david and jenny so he hands her the money and she tells david he's not to give him any money either Declan's like what well, can i just have one and bill's like i told you last weekend they're not good for you you shouldn't have even started smoking at your age because <laughs> you think it's sweets and it's interesting when she says later on and no sweets either because you think that's what he's going to say and then the cigarette yes. is a bit more of a shock so what yes. I love about 2.4, you think you know what you're going to get. You get something else, but then you actually get what you thought, but in a different way. Yes. yes. And it's a very good response when he says, you know, I get a lot of stress. And she's like, yes, and you'll get a lot more if I smell any on your breath. David, you're responsible. And David is obviously growing up. He says, oh, wonderful. I get to be the health police. But it's interesting because of the way, even in this little bit, Declan, he shows different sides to him because then, Rona enters and he says to a nice chop Rona and quite 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 in a quite a creepyish way well certainly mm. a young lad way and they and Rona's like oh thank you and she sees it she takes it as a compliment and then she just sort of is a bit unsure what to make of it because so to, to Rona's wearing a, a sort of a very tight dark purple top with a, a sort of slit that's on her chest um I mean it's, it's a fully covering top but you know it, it's um it's very tight and I just like how he, he noticed it. And Bill's sort of saying, you know, I expect he just meant the colour. Verona says, well, I wouldn't be so sure. He's very mature in some ways. Bill's like, oh, don't worry. He's still got a Simpsons duvet cover. And Verona's like, so is Ben. Bill's like, well, actually, it is Ben's. Because <laughs> Ben is the duvet child. <laughs> that bit was Rona reminded me very much of um, a terrible memory I have of the birthday party when I was about 10. Mm. So I would have been about the age, I guess, of Declan, I guess, is a little bit older, I guess. Um, mm. But I had a birthday party, and um, one of my friends, who was a little bit of a tearaway, called James, um, my older sister, she was a good 10 years older than me, so she was helping, you know, with the food and everything at this party, or birthday party of mine. And 10-year-old James said to my sister, I like your bra. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> you, know, she was, you know, she was wearing a top, but he was just sort of, I think he just, you know, Oh my I remember, god! I, I remember dying inside. Um, yeah. But I, that reminded me when that, when Declan said that to Rona, it just brought back those terrible memories that I've been trying to suppress over the years. But how does? <laughs> but doesn't that say a lot? I mean, that's what I always say about two point four. For all for for a lot of people discussing that, even I know the surreal elements and the sort of more quirky elements. Of course, that's what made it you know unique. But as a show about people and interaction it's so i i think it's an observation a piece of observational comedy which is one of my favorite types of comedy it's spot on because so many times on this podcast as we've talked about a scene with a guest and they're like oh that happened to me mm. i yeah. oh i've seen something like that before or even today people say that and it's just you know andrew's just such a great observer of, of people and, and humanity yes so rona asked how Bill's getting on with him. Bill says it's fine, but she just hates the thought of him being in the care place during the week. Rona says, well, it won't be much longer now. Bill says, I hope not. And so it builds up this idea of, you know, that they're, they're, they're reaching to a, net, a conclusion that he will eventually join them permanently. Mm. And, and that's obviously the aim. And, and we, we, as audience, are invested in finding out whether that happens. Rona then says she's put all the chicken and pizza in the freezer, so they're now ready for the new floor. 
Bill says she's sick of the sight of that terrible lino. And um, this is a really great, a great bit of dialogue here. Rona says Tony won't be able to help move the fridge out of the way. He has a sudden wedding. Well, I'm not saying anything, but the bride had to have something added to the front and it's not a granny flat. <laughs> and so I think uh, pretty clear what that's on about there. Been a, a, um, a new addition to the family and they need a wedding first. That's quite, um, 99, I would have thought by then, um, you know, people having children out of wedlock would have been more yeah. commonplace. But then again, you know, generations, even now, I'm sure there's some generations of people who still think it's bad. So Bill says they can probably persuade Christine to lend a, a hand for a quick fiver. And I, I always just love with 2.4, the way everything flows. Uh, you know, one scene goes to another scene, the way interactions go and the character appearances, you just, everything that happens, the opposite. So it's something that's said, the opposite happens. Yeah. So when, when Ben and Christine enter the house and, and as with ever, Christine only has to be in an episode for like a minute and she's just memorable you have christine coming and saying i heard what you said you said i'm putting on weight you get ben says i did not and christine says you're getting a bit porky you know means i've got lovely pink skin does it perhaps elizabeth hurley should make it her new slogan look a bit porky with estee lauder ben asked, then asks, what happened to the two mars bars on the dashboards they fall in love with each other and go off on a 1830 holiday together do you remember the club 1830 holidays i remember them i've never been on it's uh, yeah yeah <laughs> But um, no, that was very much a thing in the, I guess, eighties and nineties. Yeah, it was. A, it was a holiday company that worked mainly to cater for holidays. You know, party destination, island destinations yeah. for eighteen to thirty year olds. It was. Um, it actually ran for a long time. I mean, it only closed and only um, ceased in twenty eighteen. So oh, yeah. Wow. So and it was. It was bought by Thomas Cook in ninety eight. It was a fairly known thing then, and I say it was only very recently that it, it actually finished. And, I, I like yeah. the fact I like the fact in sitcoms like this, or most most sitcoms, where characters will walk into a room or walk into a house or just walk into a scene, and that's at the point where they decide to start arguing. Yes, <laughs> you know they've not started arguing halfway down the road. They've yes. started arguing as they're walking into the scene. Yeah, I can I can imagine I can imagine Christine is one of those where we always ever we only ever see her argue with Ben, but I reckon she's the type of person who will be good at keep at, at awkward silence when she needs to make a point she's trying mm. she builds herself up to um explode so perhaps that she was like thinking right i'm at the house i need to go for him now and uh, then she just and she has just a, she has a wonderful way with words the thing i love about obviously good writing and good good characters have individual sort of dialogue and dialect that's very unique to them and she just yeah. has a way with words that's just so beautiful the way she says, um, i'll tell you what i am i'm muscle bound from hopping huge barrel loads of stuff like conan the freaking barbarian i am still a woman you know or do you think my chest has swelled up from two giant wasp bites just it's beautiful and, and she says something in the last series about being so hungry that she'll have like a heart played on her ribs or something like that just <laughs> just wonderful dialogue and then eventually Ben says, well look, come on let's just get on then and chris says I'll tell you what I'm getting on. A number nine bus to my flat where I'm spending the rest of the afternoon relaxing, having a long hot bubble bath, a bowl of Ben and Jerry's and 20 minutes ticking the rock wires. So thank you for your beauty advice, Mr. Universe. And up yours. And then Christine's about to leave. And then she just enters back in and turns to Bill and Rona and says, oh, and you can keep your snide comments to yourself as well. She just, she just, she just comes in like a bull in a china shop, doesn't she? Yeah. Just, Gives it all, hundred and ten percent. She's just brilliant character. Do you know the, do you, Sorry, do you know these lines off by heart? 
could you recite these you know, or, you know without looking request? at my notes which i'm definitely yeah. not doing and listeners i'm not looking at my notes <laughs> um i think do you know what i was saying this to a, a guest last week in terms of you know the idea of the mandela effect yes the, yes, the idea that you misremember things mm-hmm. i do it all the time all the time like i will revisit programs i mean i have a good memory if something makes me laugh it stays with me but if I rewatch things, like I watched The Big Bang Theory, which I know some comedy people might think that's very lowbrow, but I love it. And I loved it as a kid. There were some scenes I rewatched and I thought, oh, I know what the, the next line's going to be. And it was not quite as I remembered it. It was the same, but maybe a word was out or a word was swapped around and stuff. So I can remember a lot of the ideas and some of the, some of the wording, but not necessarily the order that they're in. To be you know honest. What? Yeah. You talk about that. There's a film that I used to watch regularly in the early 90s called Cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone film. Um, and right at the beginning of the film, so he's he's um, he's kind of he's on this wire climbing this gorge, something like if that's I think it's a gorge, and his female colleague stroke partner falls to her death, falls mm. from this wire. Mm. And my memory of watching this film regularly when I was much younger was that the camera zooms on, zooms in on Sly's face. And you know how his mouth kind of, he's got this sort of weird sort of mouth movement and yeah. Sly just going, no, for the longest time. Right? Yeah. And yeah. I watched that recently. That's not, unless they've cut it. Well, why would they cut that bit? That's not in the film. And oh, yeah. it, that's weird. Why is that? If I completed it with another film, another slice of film, I do it with virtually everything, even things that I love and and mm. think to be you know experts on. I, I, I it's, it's amazing what your what your brain yeah yeah how your brain remembers and rewires your memory. Yes, yes. So Ben anyway. asks, Ben asks, do you think I sh- I upset her because Ben just doesn't understand? Well, he's sometimes sarcastic and sometimes he's clueless. Bill now realises Christine won't be available. Ben says, oh, well, we'll just have to leave it to next Saturday. And that's such a typical man response. Oh, well, we'll just leave it to next Saturday. Oh, we'll leave it to the weekend. And then Bill's like, no, you've been saying that since last Christmas. They've been, she's been wanting this done for a long time. I'm surprised that she's even put up with it for as long as she has. Rona then says they've taken up the lino and can't cook without food without a proper floor. Ben says, well, somebody always turns up when you need them. Who said that? And Bill says Hannibal Lecter. And what's interesting about the Hannibal Lecter discussion is you know, I mean, at this point, 99, Hannibal Lecter was, you know, best known for Science of the Lambs, of course, as Manhunter and, and the books. And then Hannibal, the film was out, what, in 2001. But the character was still fairly well known, even mm. after eight, eight, sort of ten, eight, ten years since the films that made him famous. Oh. And just goes to show even now people say Hannibal Lecter and you just know it. Oh, well, he, the, the, that character had just was shot through all of popular culture. Yeah, nineties. It was in the Simpsons, you know. Yeah, um, mind you, most <laughs> Simpsons parodied pretty much everything. Everything, didn't they? Yes. Um, yeah. But no, um, Hannibal Lecter just was phenomenal. Mm. phenomenal. There's quite a few Hannibal Lecter lines in the show, uh, in two point four, and and, the, and there's a ma- the mask that he wears in Science of the Lions. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's that's just you know that's that's used as well in an episode. And interestingly, as as, as, they, as she mentions, who you know, Hannibal Lecter, the doorbell rings, and Jenny enters carrying in each hand a bin bag full of clothes. And I like Bill says, "Well, 
unless she's got Tyson in one and Hollyfield in the other, we're still stuck. So um, I knew of Mike, obviously Mike Tyson and Evander Hollyfield, who were professional boxers who fought mm. against each other in '96. So and then Bill, yeah, so it's quite quite contemporary. Yeah, didn't Tyson bite the ear off? Is that who? Is that I know I know oh, of, of him biting somebody. I didn't know it was him. Yeah, I think it was. I might be wrong. I'm, I'm completely ignorant. I'm an ignoramus when it comes to boxing. I I I, sure I, I only know Mike Tyson from The Hangover. That's him, isn't it? I'm sure it's him. I'm sure it's him in The Hangover. But there's someone very well. There's a famous sportsman in that film. I think it's Mike Tyson. That's how I know him. Right. Um, Bill grabs the two bags and asks, "How many clothes can one person go through in two weeks?" Jenny says, "Well, what am I supposed to do? Go to lectures naked?" And Bill says, "Well, can't you just wear the bags? They'll wipe down, wipe down with a cloth." <laughs> and so Jenny says, "You know, this is in the '80s. You know, some of us care what we look like." I always love that in the show when they jive about the 80s or the 70s or the, what, what came before them, because that's what kids are like, aren't they? You know, mm. that the, the world didn't exist before they were born. Yes. Rona then asks if there's someone outside. Jenny told him to wait there and make sure Ben wouldn't be rude to him. And Jen's like, it's not Ben Elton, is it? It's just funny that his, 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 his celebrity... Um, his, his, his celebrity enemy is Ben Elton. His, um, his bet noir. Yes, the French phrase I like that. Yeah, why why Ben Elton? Well, it's interesting. I I know I know Ben Elton more as a writer than I know him as stand up. Um, okay. I know him for Black Adder, The Thin Blue Line, um, the right way, the right <laughs> way. Well, yeah, I do I remember that? He's done up Stark Crow as well, which I actually yeah. think is really good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and he's done obviously a lot of novels, and we will rock you. But I think it's interesting because I know a couple of people who say I like him as a writer, but I can't stand him as a stand-up. So it's, oh, it may, maybe he is I a personality. Him. Yeah, I liked him as a stand-up. Does Ben have? Does Ben's politics figure much in Two Point Four Choice? Bill's does. Bill, her, her, her um, sort of catchphrase is it, um, "Bloody Thatcher," okay. and it's all everything in the world is the fault of her yeah okay. more than him but even so because she did she she was deposed in, in 1990 so even after so the show began after she was no longer yeah. prime minister and so bill's still blaming her for it well she did and, and and you know what though it's interesting because so many people i know when they see the show and, and like they still blame that for everything even oh, now yeah. so it, it, it's interesting how Politically speaking, the landscape has has changed, of course, but the 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 after the after effect continues, and well, it just makes it it's aged well. It would be Blaine Johnson. Oh, years from now. Oh yes. Oh. If oh I, I <laughs> yes I I will be that for yeah. sure. So Jenny describes it as someone as she's been seeing, and there's like oh that's nice, and Jenny's like you won't be nasty to him. And it's like well why would you do that? Jenny's like promise. I says yes, you want to meet him. Jenny says, ben says, yeah, whatever. So then Jenny opens the door and Keith enters and it's it's James Lance. Yes. Where he's like, yeah, mm. all right, cool. And he does the finger clap, click and clap and clap. Now, you um do you, do, we've all met Keith actually. Um, you know, I mentioned before about the episode when they send Jenny to uni. Yeah. yeah. So they actually recount she recounts the story at one right. point. Yeah. So basically what happens is they think that so they go into her room and they think that the door is to like the bathroom or something and it's an actually an adjoining door to his bedroom and the funny thing is in that episode the first thing they do they open the door and he is 
got a mirror on the other side and he's wearing nothing but a towel wrapped around his waist and he's combing his hair and basically he's fully naked and then bill says at one point when she meets him um would you like to put on a dressing gown and she goes no it's all right mine got stolen last term so instantly ben just does not like him a because he probably doesn't trust yeah. him she has the key but then in the first episode fame she he asks jenny you know you don't have that boy still sleeping next door to you and jenny says i can guarantee he is not sleeping next door anymore mm. so now we learn that she's mm. seeing him mm. and it's interesting because um i think bill instantly liked keith but then but ben has this wonderful sort of thing where wow. he just goes wow. mm. yeah. yeah that was really well done it's really quite it's quietly done it's it's done in a way that's a bit like i can uh, there's one of them where you can hear it very clearly there's another one where you have to listen in again because the audience are laughing but he is doing it yeah and it is a very much an instant hatred and uh jenny you know keith just laughs he's a real man child i love how jenny introduces rona rona's like hello jenny replies i told keith he could say over and then rona says goodbye because she just knows instantly mm. what's going to happen <laughs> Rona's going to meet Bill at the lockup. And then Rona says to Keith, well, I hope you have plenty of energy. And Keith says, nobody's ever complained before, eh? <laughs> and he has a really cheeky sense of humour and a very kind of laddish, sort of laddish um, response, which I quite find funny. Well, yeah, because I obviously, I knew him from things like I'm Alan Partridge, the first series, yeah. where he's the um, he's working at the Linton Travel Tavern. Yes. Um, and he's just constantly wrong-footing Partridge or making Partridge, making Alan feel insecure about himself because yeah. his character has, has got that breezy confidence and is obviously attracted to the lady. I guess Alan's got a certain amount of envy. And, mm. and James Lance, he was also in a, a great show called Absolute Power with Stephen Fry. Yes, I've heard, heard of saw that. I've heard of um, it and I've seen it. He's in space sim- as well. Yes, playing a similar sort of character. So he, he sort of cornered the market in those kind of yeah, breezily confident charmers, I suppose. Because he, he's, he's funny because he's, he's quite, I mean, Jenny goes on later on saying he's quite funny looking. He's, I think he's quite, he's a good looking lad in a much more unassuming way, if you know what I mean. I think, mm-hmm. he's, I think he's someone who's a lot more, maybe unassuming, not that, but you know, he's, 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 got, he's got a real personality with it. He's a, not a yeah. pretty boy. He's got, he's, he's got a real, you can't help but melt, if you know what I mean. Cheeky he, chappy. Yeah, cheeky chappy. Yeah, very much mm. so. And um, it's interesting because he was actually in a very early uh, first season episode of Ab Fab as one of Safi's friends. Okay. And he was about 17 there and he looks, I mean, like 10 years younger than he does now. I couldn't believe he was like 15. I mean, here he's about 24 and I kind of can see that, although he could probably get away with being 21. It's just the way he says so confident and saying, no one's ever complained yet. eh?" And then does the the cheeky wink and pretending, I don't know if he's chewing gum, but he does that kind of, gum yes. chewing thing yeah. which people yeah. seem to do i know people who who, who like pretend to chew gum to make themselves look more confident mm-hmm. and i someone who did it when he i have a friend who when we were at uni if he ever danced on which he, when i say dance was just basically swaying a little bit he always mm-hmm. looked like he was chewing gum never was but just name yeah. just always i just always think i always think i always notice that in people chewing gum seems like a cool thing and yeah it just works it's a bit like um someone was telling me about it's it's a way of just it's having something to do, something, something to kind of distract p- other people's eyes from just taking you all in, in the sense like, like yeah. a guitarist in a band has got a guitar, which he's got sort of, you know, you know, holding in front of fiddling with or playing, you know, yeah. and it's, it's like, it's, 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 it's something to do. It's giving, it's distracting yeah. whoever's sort of observing you. 
Interesting. Oh, I like that. Mm. Never knew that. That's uh, yeah. I need. To, I think I'll read into it more. Actually, that that's quite interesting. It's kind of if you're a bit insecure. I mean, all of us are insecure to some yes. degree, aren't we? Yeah. But it's just a way of kind of um, yeah, trying to distract. It doesn't seem to work for Ben though, because he just because um, no. it's like Bill's like, "Well, oh, nice to see you going." Ben's like, Ugh. "I mean, I, I'm <laughs> I'm trying to do his. It's it, 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 He does his, his upper right lip just kind of goes. Uh, it goes up. Yeah, it's a bit like sliced alone in perfect yes. or, yeah. or not. Um, no, he's great. It's that's that. It's like a it's like a dog. It's like an old dog. Yeah, it's just not quite got the energy to get up and tear your trouser leg. Yeah, he's just letting you know that he's not impressed. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yes, that that's very true, and that is yeah. true. And and I think like the way that Ben tries to make an excuse for why Keith can't say, well, Declan's here, and 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 everyone's going conspiring against Ben at this moment. James like works out well. Dave's in the loft, isn't he? And Declan's in Dave's old bedroom. And Ben's like, but that leaves your room. And I like how Bill just sort of, Belinda Lang has a great way of taking back authority without having to be dictatorship about it. She like, as she does a bit where she's just standing, listening to Ben sort of make excuses with her head down. And she just looks up and says, up the second lot of stairs, first door on the left, the lose the one just before, if you need it. Then she says, Jenny, why don't you make us a nice cup of tea? And Jenny leaves, Keith goes upstairs and Ben has a great way of like just his jaw dropping to the ground. Yeah. It's like, what do you think you're doing? You realise what they're doing? And Bill's like, she's 19 now. We can't really stop her. And Bill's like, yes, we can. Ben thinks he's a match. He's the man of the house and he's got nothing. Bill, Bill runs that yes. house with an iron fist. And yes. Bill's like, well, what do you think she's doing when she's away? And Ben's like, well, she's not doing it under the, our roof. Bill's like, it's not our roof. It's the building societies. What do they do? Deny us the mortgage unless we spray paint the chimney and outlaw teenage nookie on the upper stories. Just to say teenage nookie is rebellious teenagers. Be very mm. cautious about what you Google. <laughs> I had mm. a very, I just thought, I, I yeah. did, because I always Google yeah. things I don't know. And a teenage nookie is like, yeah, that doesn't sound. So good. you weren't aware of the, the phrase nookie? No. Word nookie. Never heard of it. Okay. It was, oh, you've never seen a carry on film? Oh, I have seen a carry on film, <laughs> but I've, I've always sort of, I haven't seen one in a long time. I think if yeah. I watched them again now, I would, I would um, even yeah, appreciate nookie, them more. Nookie was a word that, um, uh, yeah, it was like, a, well, you know what it is. It was a, a euphemism for, a bit of the other, bit of rumpo, as they yeah. used to say. You know? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I like the fact you just you just touched on it then that Bill reassumes authority very easily, yeah. efficiently. Yeah. And a sitcom made twenty years before this or thirty years before this, that character could would probably have been depicted as a bit of a battle axe, yes. as a bit of a, a bit of a harridan, like Peggy Mount kind of character from a nineteen sixties. 70s sitcom formidable matriarch you know yeah. whereas it, it's quite clearly an equal partnership the marriage in the porter household but yeah. i guess some of them are slightly more equal than others 100 percent, yeah she just she just she assumes authority just being calm yes collective. yeah which is which is which is how which i think is the most successful way of, of authority it's always more successful than going in or guns blazing, shouting. Just being calm, methodical, that gets results, I've learned. Not from yes. me doing it, but from being from comparing people who are in authoritative roles. That's how I've learned. Yep. You know, Bill and Ben's like, well, they can't do what we did. Ben's like, Bill's like, well, this is that is what we did. And then Ben, ben says, well, can't you just pretend to sleep on the sofa? Then when we go to sleep, he sneaks upstairs. And and I love that he does this really awkward thing with his hands. It's just, it's quite rude. Yeah. He doesn't. I love yeah. how Belinda's try, just like got her arms folded and she's trying not to laugh. And then he's like, without making any noise. And Bill asks, well, what difference will that make? And Ben's like, well, we wouldn't know about it. 
Bill says, yes, we would. And Ben says, I know, we know now, but we wouldn't know. <laughs> Jenny then enters with the mugs and asks if it's okay. Bill says it is. Jenny says, you know, he's really very nice once you get to know him. Keith then runs downstairs and says he's found some tube on the bathroom floor. Ben panics and says, yep, that's my toothpaste. And then Keith reads out, Mr. Ben Porter, rub into affected areas. Then Ben grabs and says, yeah, it's my new toothpaste for my sore gums. And then Keith comes out saying, right, my dad's gums hurt every time he sits down as well. <laughs> and then he does that cheeky wink again. And I love how Bill and Jenny try to stop themselves from absolutely splitting their sides. And again, Ben just goes, <sighs> now dream casting, who do you think would place, uh, would have played Keith's father if they did more episodes and they and they introduced his family keith's father mm. okay so he'd have to be a gentleman in his 40s or 50s uh, it would have to be a recognizable british character actor from the period uh hmm. tim brooke taylor tim brooke taylor yeah i could see that mm. mine would be keith allen not because of the Keith reference, just Keith Allen, I think, has that kind of approach. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why I said Tim Brooke Taylor thinking about it, because he's a bit, too, I guess, because he's so uh, intrinsically uh, associated with sitcoms. Yes, of the true. Yeah, Keith Allen would be a good shout. If, we, if we're talking that sort of generation as well, maybe, God, what's his name? Peter Richardson, someone like that who worked yeah. with, with the comedy store. Yes. Somebody who's got a little bit of grit, a little bit, a, a, a pattern of cool about it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Mm. So Bill says she's glad Jenny brought Kim as they need help moving the fridge of the lock up so Ben can do the floor. And I like how Keith, he is quite polite. He's like, of course, no problem. He's got a real enthusiasm for things. I get that vibe. He's a bit of a big child. And Bill, and I love how Bill really takes him. See, you see? And then turns to Bill and says, it's a jolly good thing Keith is staying tonight, isn't it? And, and then Ben just goes, uh, 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 uh. Just, he doesn't growl. He's just kind of just like, he's trying to, get words out but he can't because he's realized yes. he's lost the battle on this one it was interesting because you see again what i love about the show is the way it plays with sort of family sitcom conventions sometimes it, it it goes against family sitcom conventions sometimes it very much plays up to certain conventions but plays it in a realistic way and 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 plays it to a reality about what people watching the show would experience so for example men being the dad of his daughter is going to be distrusting of any boyfriend she has. But what's interesting that up until Keith, she's had a long-term relationship with a lad called Clive, who Ben really likes. And he's he's a lot more quiet, a bit more respectable in some ways, a little bit more... Probably Ben doesn't feel he has anything to worry about with him, whereas Keith mm. is a little bit more cocky, a little bit more cheeky. And I mean, some of the things he says in front of them is a little bit inappropriate. Well, I think Ben probably recognises aspects of himself, his younger self. Yes, 100%. I agree with that. That, That's a very good point. You can believe that he was like that at Mm. that age. Yeah. So at the lockup, Jenny, Keith, Rona and Ben are moving stuff outside. A black cat appears, which they tell to shoo. Um, off rona says it is what it always waiting for the night and apparently that's when the lady cat appears and i like how uh, ben watches keith and jenny be that annoying couple that we all know in public who just look into each other's eyes and it's a definitely with with jenny and clive their relationship was a bit more in a weird way you know they were younger they were a little bit more grown up mm-hmm. whereas Keith and Jenny are a little bit more like younger teenagers who fall in love for the first time. And they're just literally all looking into each other's eyes and, th- and, and very stereotypically gushy. Yes. 
um, yes. which I find very interesting. And it's interesting because of the, 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 the with what um, Mona's saying about a cat, you know, Tom Cat and looking at the ladies and it's almost how Keith and Jenny look at each other in a way. It's like, yeah. it's almost like animalistic. And Rona um, says that Aunt Pearl had that trouble with the ginger Tom and the tabby up the road. And then Ben asks, you know, did she have him done? And Rona says, no, she had a much simpler way to stop him. So Ben's, do you notice Ben has a bucket hat? He looks like a man. This leaves Ben to think for a moment. And then he runs back inside to the kitchen and asks Rona what Pearl did actually did. And she explains, well, she just wore him out. You know, she spent all day dangling balls of wool in front of him, chased things. By the time it got dark, he was too whacked out to do anything. You know, it gives Ben a bit of a thought to kind of say, oh, you know, what, what can we do with Keith? Keith enters and asks if everything's okay. And Ben's like, no. Not quite. Bill appears and says they've done everything. Can they leave Ben to get on with it? Then he makes an excuse they don't have enough tiles. And I love with Ben, he always tries to make excuses and Bill always knows he's something. Because she, she's so much more capable than he is anyway. She always has to come back. She's like, yes, well, we've had it all worked out. Rona says there should be enough left over. Ben asks if they've measured up on centimetres. The tiles are in feet. Bill then says, well, that doesn't make it any smaller, does it? Ben goes, no, it's a pattern. It's like they're playing. Ben just keeps pushing it and says she wouldn't want them to be nearly finished and realize they haven't got mm. enough tiles. So mm. Ben then takes Keith with him. Bill reminds him about Declan, that he's obviously with David. Bill asks, How, you know, how long are you going to be? And he goes, Oh, well, as long as it takes. You know, and I, I think I'd have known at that point he was up to no good. <laughs> so the van parks in a residential area, and Ben says the car park is always like full and they can walk it from there. So they go on a walk and in the music, the background is the theme tune from the 1960s drama series, Mr. Rose, which was composed by Roy Budd. Which I've seen. Is it? Of. Oh, yeah. what's it like? It's, um, it's got late, great, what's the name? William Mervyn as Mr. Rose. It's a spin-off of a police procedural show from the 60s called, um, uh, it's, what's it called? It's cold outside. It's dark outside. Oh, I always get that mixed up. yeah. And Mr. Rose is this, this very jolly... <clears throat> sort of a funkular character, but who's who's very wily as well. And yeah, I've I've seen I've seen a few episodes with watch because I've got friends who love old archive telly. And yes. often watch stuff like that. But the theme tune, yeah, it's that music. It, it's knockout, knockout theme tune, knockout music. Yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah, and it uh, it works really well for this scene. Obviously, the show does use a lot of uh, records, and it works really well in this scene. And it, what we what's really clever about the script and the direction is the way it builds up to what's coming later. In the sense, it's not just that they walk to, up a long path of ste- steps, walk um, along a pathway that, that that's sort of a steep hill. You know, they don't go just go up some steps. We see these later on, and it's and it just it's a real payoff, which I like. But they walk past the burnt out car. Yes, yeah. just literally going around the whole the, the whole neighborhood. To get to this <clears throat> this tiny little hardware shop, and it's interesting because Keith, you know, he's actually I think a lot more, you know, I, I think he's quite a polite young man. He's doing this; he genuinely wants to help. But the fact that he's taking it very seriously—that what Ben is wanting him to help with—that he suggests going to B and Q, yeah, which I think is like oh, he's actually he's not just doing as he's told; he's actually wanting to help, which I like about the character. Yes, and Ben's yeah, like, yeah. no. This is much, much better. So back at the lockup, Jenny talks to Bill and Rona about Keith. And again, it's interesting what I said earlier about the show and stuff and, and the, the, the children. And I do feel this series feels like a kind of new era or, or, or crossover into a new era had the show come back because obviously the, the Declan's the, the new kid 
much younger bring, going into the family because without him the show couldn't have gone on much longer really and yet you see Jenny and David actually grown up now because you know the Jenny we see in this episode is not like the Jenny we saw even in series seven or series mm. six mm. she's 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 maturing and she sat with Bill and Rona talking about Keith and even just Bill saying you know oh, welcome to the world of the grown-ups ha ha it's uh it's it's amazing really the, the development she says you know I think I'm in love with him and Bill asks what makes her think that she says well he's funny looking he acts a bit strange and I can't imagine what anyone was seeing him I don't even know why I keep seeing him this actually reflects a, a scene in the previous series that one of the episodes in series seven that was written by a different writer has um Bill's ex-boyfriend Malcolm come into it and he's played by Danny Webb and he sort of tries to, you know, get Bill to get back with him and stuff. And it's an interesting line where Bill talks about, you know, I love Ben. I, don't, I know you wouldn't think it's look at him, but, you know, he's really sensitive, yeah. kind, and above all, gentle. And I just find it weird, you know, whether by design or accident, that these speeches are quite mirrored. And in a way, they really, you know, the idea, the psychology is that we all end up with people like our parents, in long-term mm. relationships and in a way mm. we are we do become our parents in some respects potentially mm. and actually you're seeing this grow i think it's really clever yes i love how rona says oh dear and bill's like that's love all right and Jess says, you know, it's all confusing and it's interesting again she loved clive but it was a teenage love i feel she's really in love now and you know she's i thought when it, it happened i'd know and again, that's when Bill says, you know, well, welcome to the land of the grown-ups. Jenny then asks Bill if it was the same with her and, and, and Ben. And, did, you know, did you start off all confused about him? Ben, Bill says, that's right. Then after a while, it got worse, you know, because Bill always likes to undercut yes. any yes. sort of serious talk with a bit of humour, even though she can do serious talk very well. Yeah. And uh, again, it, it, you know, it's, it's showing that there is that mirror between the, the mother and daughter and their lives and the way Jenny's growing and, and it's similar in a way to how Bill mm -hmm. is. So Jenny asks, you know, are you sure it's all right for Keith staying over? And Bill's like, oh yes, I know him. We'll take it all in his stride, obviously meaning Ben. So we go back to outside this shop where Ben asks Keith if he can carry something as he thinks he's pulled a muscle when he drops the fridge. Ben says he forgot something else. And he walks around the corner from the shop and he pulls, pushes out this massive piano. And I like the way that Ben taps the piano with a cheeky grin. And I like how with Keith, Keith smiles back, but he's a little bit more, he's nervous in a way, but he's also like, oh, okay. He sort of takes it in his stride, I think. Yeah, well, you'd be nervous, wouldn't you? Because you'd think you're with, you're with a madman. Yeah. you think, what the hell is going on here? I mean, it, I, it's that kind of little touch that I love about shows like this. It's totally implausible, yeah. but it's also in keeping with the character. Yes. And... And God knows how much that piano set him back, you know, just just in order to quell the libido of his daughter's boyfriend. You know? that's, that's, that's all it was for. It's, it's <laughs> a, you know, in a way, he, um, well, as we know later on, he didn't um, it didn't work. <laughs> it no. did, he actually caused him more problems, you say. So at the park, David and Declan are throwing a frisbee towards Harry. Declan then goes to the toilets, the toilets by the park, and he shouts back, you know, if I'm not back in an hour, send a search party. And I love how stupid Harry is as a dog, bless him, because David tries to throw the frisbee over to him and Harry just follows him. Yes. It's really, it's just, he's, he's got a real personality, Harry. So Bill phones the house as David and Declan should be back by now. And this is where it does, you know, it's 99. 
but that she's phoning the house to check that mm-hmm. they're back rather than text them yeah. or call them on the mobile. So it's yep. just because the thing is, this is just on the borderline of the mobile phone boom. I know they had mobiles in the 90s. It was the bricks. But, the you know, the real boom, which really began in 2000, 2001, where more people were getting mobile phones. Had the show gone another couple of years, that would have probably been explored as well. So um, it, it really I, does I can, show the 90s. I can remember 1998 pub car park, a friend of mine. No, guy I worked with. He was also a friend. Taking me to one side, almost kind of, almost almost kind of like illicit like conspiratorially you know yes kind of look at this kind of thing showed me his phone which was yeah like a, like a brick and a text message that he'd received yeah. and i was like and it was it was a green screen and it was yeah. only i don't know 15 characters or something but i remember my the, the hair stood up on my head and i was like thinking it's witchcraft or something you know it was <laughs> yes. amazing it is interesting if you look back on things that were really tech and high tech at the time and then you think where things have gone now, just you just never know where things how how technology evolves. No, no, exactly. So Rona says, you know, well, you know what boys are like when Rona's like when Bale says that you should be Batman now. And I love how Bill just looks her and she says, and I'm sure they're not like that. Yes. Um, and so Bill then suggests they start while they wait for Ben. Rona says, you know, we can't, right? It's a man thing. And Bill's a bit more kind of very capable lady. She does all the, she can do anything and she's not kind of, she's not bothered about whether it's a man thing. She'll just do anything just to, just to get on with it. She doesn't mm. like being bored. Mm. So Bill opens a tub of paint um, and they we all, react, all react to the smell, you know. And it's interesting because paint is not as strong smelling now as it was like, even 10, 15 years ago, I've noticed. Is that, it must be, it must be some, something different with paint now. Mm. Maybe because of what happens in this episode, they probably had to make it a bit safer. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. And, yeah. and then she tells Rona to lock the door in case anyone walks all over it, which is foreshadowing the yes. disaster of what's to come. Rona then asks if they really should do it. Bill says, oh, it can't be difficult. Ben does it. We're not completely stupid. And then Rona says, I suppose nothing can really happen, which again, great bit of delivery in terms of what's coming. And you just, because if you know the show as well as people have watched it you know it's going to be something really funny and yeah. you're not what you expect mm-hmm. you think like in an, any other sitcom the paint would just drip the paint would be something weird and the paint would just get on everybody but what actually happens is done is just really unique i think and not something yes. that i think the average writer would think of so back at the park, David looks for Declan in the toilets, which I'm sure those toilets look exactly the same as they do now. If you ever go yeah. into a park toilet, they look no different than they've ever been, quite honestly. He then spots a police car parking up in front of a news agent across the road. David approaches the police officer who has Declan and he asks David, do you know this boy? And David says, yes. Back at the lockup, the three women are painting the floor nearest the wall opposite the door. Bill just says, oh, well, you get used to it after a while. And Rose says, yes. Hang on, can I just say, is, is, it, is it not glue? Oh, I thought it was paint. Is it not glue? Because that's why they get stuck to it. Oh, true. Oh, yeah, I've totally missed, I've totally missed just this episode for about 15 years. <laughs> sticky, sticky, as in the sticky yeah. um, element. Oh, gosh, I, I, I feel really bad. I shouldn't be doing this podcast now. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm, not a, uh, I'm not a DIY man. Yeah, that's why so. you didn't hold down that job at B&Q. I wouldn't have held a job down at B&Q, yeah. I can guarantee you. I, I probably would have um, had a hernia or, or pulled, a, pulled a muscle just from pushing the stuff. Bill says, you get used to it after a while. And I says, yes. To what? 
Bill says, the smell. And then Rona sticks her nose literally not far off the floor, deeply in smell, sniffs it and says, I can't smell anything. Can you? Jenny then sniffs the floor and then looks up with wide eyes and goes, no. Now, in this day and age, anyone who says they can't smell anything, it makes the heart races and every single for everyone else in the room mm. accelerate because yeah. <laughs> yeah. of COVID and stuff. And it's just, it's interesting, like, beforehand, if someone couldn't, can't smell anything, it didn't make a difference. It's just amazing how something like that creates a, a cult of culture of, of, um, yes. of reaction to yes. just one particular phrase or something that somebody says. So Bill then says, well, that's what I mean. You get accustomed to the smell. Rona says, oh, like my fair lady. He was like, yes, what? And Rona continues saying, well, don't you remember at the end, he got accustomed to the smell. And Bill says, her face. And, you know, if anyone knows that yeah. film or that yeah. show, he says, I've grown accustomed to her face. Um, anyone who hasn't seen it, check it out. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. So the window opens and Rona kneels up to shut it. And then she goes, oh, yes, it was Julie Andrews. And, and he says, Catherine Hepburn. Bill says, Audrey Hepburn. Now, there's a few things in this. Julie Andrews played Eliza's little in the original production yeah. of My Fair Lady and was supposed to be in the movie. Yeah. But they didn't think she'd be right for the... She wasn't a big enough star. But then she got Mary Poppins. Yes. It's amazing how things work out. See, Catherine Hepburn was an actress with the same surname as Audrey Hepburn, even though they were completely unrelated. And Audrey yeah. Hepburn played Eliza Doolittle in the movie, and My Fair Lady. And I do like how um, Bill, who at this point is probably, seems to be the more stable of Bona and Jenny. It doesn't, or the reaction to the glue doesn't seem to have affected Bill as much as them. She says, Julie Andrews wouldn't smell, except of TCP, which is a mild antiseptic. Mm. I've never smelt it. Have you smelled TCP? Yes. What's it like? It's acrid, horrible. My, my father used to say it stood for something. Um, is this a clean podcast? Go ahead. If, if it's not, I'll have to, I'll let it out, but that's fine. Or I can believe uh, it, but go ahead. Say, well, he used to say it stood, TCP stood for Tomcat's piss. Oh, for what, for the things they come up with in this, that's nothing. <laughs> yeah. I, know, that's, so. I, don't, I don't know. That's fine. That's not a problem at all. I think, um, <laughs> I'm sure they could have got away with saying that in the half eight, even in 99. I'm sure that would have been okay. Ooh, I don't know. Maybe, well, you never know. know. You never yeah. know. But I, but you know, I think the, the funny thing is the first thing was like Judy Andrews wouldn't smell because Judy Andrews got this very quaint personality. People see as she's very British and always very elegant and stuff. And yet then Bill says, "Oh, except for TCP." Like I don't think she looked just <laughs> smell of TCP. So yeah. then Rona then asked, "Well, what does TCP stand for?" And I like how at this point Jenny looks a little bit doze, dozed out. A bit, a bit, a bit space, and her hair's a little bit muffled. She says, "I always thought it was take care of pimples." Rowan's like, "No, that would be TCOP anyway." And Jenny says, well, "What does she think it is?" And then Rowan says, "Totally clean pubes." <laughs> well, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. And then, um, all terrible carbolic pong. That's what Jenny says. No, 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 no. It's something chemical like tetracyclic parabolics. Um, do you know what that means? I tried to Google it, but it didn't mean. No. Like- sense no, no. um that one was out I'm, was not I'm, I'm not a very intelligent man so i didn't i didn't know that one i have to google a lot of these things but even i couldn't really find something that was pretty clear and then bill says stop it we're being silly it doesn't matter what tcp stands for and then bill just says those tickly cotton pants and then they all just laugh and you just know oh god that the, the, the fumes from this glue has just gone into their brain and they are as high as a kite 
yeah. pretty much. And yeah. it's it's just very funny because, you know, it's not what you expect. Well, what I didn't understand was, and obviously they're getting affected by the by the fumes. Mm. Why why were they why did they decide to to cover the whole of the floor space with glue? You, what you what you should do because I've been involved with this sort of thing is you 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 cover part part of the floor with glue and then you put tiles on it. You do it like that. You just yeah. you do it as you go along um, because obviously it's going to dry, isn't it? Before you get the before you get yeah. the tiles on. I think they, they wanted to start it. I imagine they were saying then they just got so high, they just kind of went on doing yeah, this exactly. thing and, and not yeah. really thought too much into like yeah. the, rea- the the logistics. And probably they, gen- they Bill probably genuinely thought Ben would be back quickly, yes. not realising what was going to happen. Yes. She had no idea what he was up to or, or what the dangers were of what he was up to. So the, the tub of glue is, is empty. It didn't go very far. And it's like, as the actress said, Catherine Hepburn and and I like how it doesn't make any sense but instead of you can tell how Bill's not really is with it now she just goes oh right mm. I love the uh, they all do they all the what I like about the three actresses in this episode and this in these scenes they don't overplay it they do the eyes they do the kind of giddiness but they don't overdo mm, it yeah I think it's really good yeah. so then eventually Bill finds a bunch of masks and Jenny remembers that they should have been wearing them which I think anyone who 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 deals with any kind of chemicals of any kind whether it's for painting or decoration or, or construction you know paint, you should always wear masks and rona says you know how, how it says they've managed all right up to now and bill says no we should wear them because bill is the responsible one even though she is completely off her face right now with that glue and again for me in terms of in a post-covid world you know the discussion on masks and how to wear a mask it's interesting the way that jenny puts hers on a head and thinks it's special headgear yes. rona then says of course it isn't and i like how rona even looks like what are you doing of course mm. it isn't look and then she puts the string over her ears and her mask is a chin as like a chin protector chin strap yeah mm-hmm. and then then bill says oh you both look ridiculous it's obvious what this is for and i love the audience reaction how how seriously she just puts on this mask over her legs towards her waist the only way I can describe it, is it looks like a jock strap. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, yeah. it was a couple of years ago when 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 it was the first lockdown. There was I can't remember his name, but he's quite a well-known social media guy. And basically, he walked around London wearing nothing but a mask around his well front, mm. like Bill, <laughs> covering his modesty. But it's interesting, like you know, again seeing it now. It, 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 it obviously it doesn't predict COVID or stuff, but it just predicts the how we view masks now is very different to before. And then this, and this episode depicts the three different ways people were wearing masks a couple of years ago, either oh, seriously yeah. or just to laugh. Absolutely. Ben walks up the, the, the steep path and turns around and asks Keith if it's too heavy for him what he's carrying, you know, pushing the, the, the piano. Then I love how Ben adds a heavy box on top of it. <laughs> Yes. You know, he's just trying to make it even more tricky for him. Yep. Ben realised that none of this is tying Keith out. Um, and so he pretends to twist his ankle. And again, Keith is, I think, a really lovely, polite young man. He's like, um, can I do anything? And then <laughs> Ben has a way, Gary, sorry, I should say, has a way of being able to play different emotions in his face. What he outwardly is to the characters, but what we as the audience know he's doing so mm-hmm. Ben acts in pain, but he has an evil look. as a glint in his eye, a bit of an evil look. Mm-hmm. But you know he's going to do something shocking. So he's so in a, within the next scene, you have Keith pushing the piano up this path as Ben is sat on top of it. I mean, it's just a very funny <laughs> visual. 
And yes. so they reach the long flight of steps. And Ben, you think you think to yourself, even Ben won't be harsh and make Keith do this. And then the um Keith says, like, do you think you can make it? And Keith being the, the polite young man here says, Yeah, totally. One step at a time. And then says, Ben says, Good, because I don't think I can move. It's it's so painful. You think you are such a slimy bugger, him. Oh, it's such a it's physically impossible to do oh, what yeah. Keith was going to do there, or what Keith was doing. Oh yeah, yeah totally. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's um, you have to suspend a belief a bit on that, but it works well for the payoff. Yeah, yeah. So back with Declan and, and David, um, he's grilling Declan on why he nicked something, and then Declan says, "You know, I was going to ask how much it was. I can't help the way I look. You just jump to conclusions." They're in the police car at this point. Mm. Police officer says they'll take Declan home to have an official word with his foster mother. They they'll cl- they clarify she's at a workplace. And they go there, you know. And um, the police officer says all this for a chub of glue. Oh my god! How did I not miss this with the glue? Mm. Glue. It's yeah. all it all links. Yeah. See, I love doing <laughs> the podcast because even I have these light bulb moments. <laughs> yes, I'm. I am as probably stupid as I sound, listeners. Um. So Declan says I was just going to try it. It's like you know what that stuff can do to you, and of course it works because they go straight back to the lockup, and and you know Jenny, Bill, and Rona are completely done with mm. with with the with everything. They're done with the the glue and and that. They're leaning against the wall, with the door hanging, having completed the floor. They're all laughing, and Rona says, "You didn't tell it yet." And Bill says, "Well, I heard about these two women who were doing this once, and they started from the wrong place." Jenny and Rona laugh, thinking that's it. But again, when you're a bit off your face, I'm not that I've ever been off my face, and I don't. I'm not saying that with any pride. I'm just stating for fact. When you are totally delirious, everything makes you laugh. Because even when you're tired, or like with the heat yes. today yeah. at yeah. work, there was just a few things that made me laugh, or I said some really silly things, which I just thought it's just the heat that's messing with my brain. And yeah. it's just funny because then Bill continues saying, "Well, when they finished putting the stuff on, they couldn't get back to the door." And I was like, silly cows. And Jess, it's a good thing we never did that. So then Bill tries to open the door and it's locked. She asks where the keys are and Verona says, don't, all right, don't panic. They're in my coat. Bill asks, well, where's that? And Verona just says, just over there. And the way she says it and points to the other side of the room where the coat is draping over the oven with this massive floor full of glue, kind of covered in glue. It's just really funny. So Rona then crawls over to get them. Bill and Jenny try and stop her as the floor is still not dry. She's almost halfway and says, it's all right, I can reach them from here. But Julia plays this part, so she says, I can reach them from here. She's got the eyes open, she can Mm. just grab them. And then um, she shakes the keys and says, and Bill says, well, come back then. And Rona's trousers are now stuck to the floor. Bill then crawls over and falls. Then Jenny stands over her and tries to pull up her up with her jumper, you know, pull Bill up with her yeah. jumper. So then now Jenny's tights are stuck to the floor. So it's just really funny visual of the three actresses just like stuck to these floor or acting stuck yeah. to the floor. So then Jenny's um, tights are stuck to the floor. Bill then tells Jenny to take her tights off and step onto the dry bit. So then Ben Bill pulls herself out of her, her jumper so that Rona can step onto it. Bill then tells Rona to take her trousers off and Rona's like, I can't. And Bill says, never thought I'd hear that. And so three quarters of the way up the flights of steps, Keith is still pushing the piano with Ben sat on top of it. Ben turns around and asks if Keith is, is managing. 
the box then that's next to Ben that he sort of put made a, a point to put on top of the piano when Keith was pushing it um, falls off. Then Keith, this is where Keith really is in the wrong. <laughs> it causes a funny moment now. Keith then lets go of the piano to get it. And then Ben just starts to move. And this, I would love to know more about how this worked behind the scenes because the way the piano goes down those steps is very, very bumpy like a yes. real bump and you know it, it's and it's it's quite funny because you can hear that the bumps of the, down the steps and even the 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 the, the piano playing obviously was it, as it's bouncing and then even ben's screams are just for lois he's like ah, ah, ah. And, and and you can imagine it just looks really uncomfortable oh, it's very well done yeah yeah mm-hmm. and but i love how keith's reaction he looks like he goes wild yeah like, cool yeah you'd give him a slap for that wouldn't you he would, he really would. He's yeah. like, he's, this is the moment where he's just a bit clueless. Yeah. Massively clueless. So then the piano goes back down the steep path we saw Keith and Ben initially walk down and then go back up as he was being pushed up. And then you see a woman walking with a pram sort of down another path, another down one, another end of the path, another path. But it looks like they're going to collide. And it's really good timing with the stunt people, I have to say on this, because they really do collide, nearly collide and and the mother, I mean, obviously there's no, I'm, I'm assuming there's no baby in the pram, living yeah. baby, but they literally runs past just as the piano is about to go past her. Yes. So in the police car, they drive along the road as David's giving directions. The car's about to drive past, past the path where the piano appears and then cuts in front of the car. It's a, again, another real miss. The police officer tells the lads, just get the bus and don't do it again. Um, they run out and chase after the piano. Um, David tells Declan tells her, "Oh, quick before he changes his mind." So the two lads and Harry leg it out the car. The piano is now on the street where the broken down red car has been parked, slashed, abandoned, and it. You know, you think you think the worst has happened with him going down the steps and then the um, the long path down. But then, as he approaches the red car, it goes towards speeds towards two massive rocks. Mm. So the piano really hits the rock with a force, and then Ben flies off the piano into the air. And it's, a, I have to say, a phenomenal visual, actually, for a kind of mm. sitcom. Yeah. You know, I always say 2.4 is one of those studio sitcoms that really does a lot of good, not just in the studio, but on location. It tries to be a bit cinematic in a way. So, like, when you see Ben fly in the air, it's almost like a double shot. You see him fly, and then you see another shot of him just flying midair but it's like you don't see him doing one go it's almost like it's um edited so that you see him fly off it and then it jumps a little bit so it's like gone yes. in the midair but it yes. almost like two versions of him going together it's a really good visual it's obviously yeah. a stuntman because you don't see gary's face it's behind but you suddenly realize the seriousness mm-hmm. of what's going to happen and the injuries he's about to sustain so back at the lockup the three women are now completely they're just in another world completely. There's like shoes, trousers, tights, and a jumper stuck to the floor. Bill then asks Rona for the keys. And um, I have to say, you know, hats off to Bill and I. I mean, hats off to any actor. But, you know, this in this episode, she's in this scene, she is wearing a bra and the jeans. You know, it's, it's, um, mm-hmm. it's not something you expect to always see in a sitcom. No. Really. Right. I mean, we, right. we've seen it before in, I think, a Christmas special. Um, so it's obviously something she's comfortable doing or, or happy to do, but it's um, it's again not something you expect to see on a family sitcom. I mean, it's not obviously mm-hmm. nothing 
you know, there's nothing inappropriate about it. And it's just it's humanity, it's, it's our bodies and stuff, but it's just, it's just not what you're used to. Yeah. But it makes a, for a very funny um, scene in a moment. <laughs> Bill asks Rona for the keys and Jenny's like, what if a stranger comes in and sees us like this? And then Bill, you know, very casually just unlocks the door and goes, oh, you know, um, who would come be coming here? And then just as she's unlocking the door, we can see someone through the sort of stained glass of the door. She opens it and it's this same police officer that was supposed mm. to be going to her place anyway to tell her about Declan. And he's just, he's obviously caught off guard seeing her in that state. And then he's just like, uh, Mrs. Porter? And I like Bill's reaction. She's initially shocked, but then, because of course she's a little bit not with it, she just, she becomes almost like a, a bit of a gushy, flirty model she's just like she kind of combs her hair back she goes yes <laughs> but then she does like just like look a bit embarrassed but I love the transition from that to the next scene you go back home in the evening Bill enters the living the, the dining room sitting at the table she's clutching a bag of assuming frozen peas on her head in one hand in the other hand she's got a glass of I'm assuming water with like a lot of aspirin and wearing sunglasses and she's really she's just the way she groans in the same way Gary Ben growls is just so you can feel it she's just like and then she I think this is one of my favorite deliveries that Belinda gives as Bill she says three hours I spent shivering in my bra in that freezing lockup only to be told that my husband was waiting at the hospital having sustained injuries whilst crashing a piano <laughs> the way she says piano she just doesn't know what to believe and then we see the shot now of, of Ben and he's now got a cast around his throat with a with an arm bandage that's called got to um sort of attached together with scars on his face and he just the way he's just laughing about it he's probably a little bit delirious himself or he's been pumped up with lots of painkillers yeah yep. And then he's like, I mean, it's, a, it's quite funny when you think about it, isn't it? And I like how, how Bill just sort of puts her, her um, drags the sunglasses down her nose a little bit. And then he says, no, you're right, it's not at all. And then she continues saying, quite beside the fact I now have a permanent floor consisting of sundry items of women's clothing. It's hard to imagine how this could possibly have been a worse day. So David and Declan appear. And David tells her that he has something to second ask him to say. Declan explains that he, he did go to the shop at the park and the bloke thought he was going to nick something. He didn't think it was worth arguing and David told him to go back and explained. And, you know, David's really taking responsibility here and says, you know, the man understood it in the end. Declan yeah. explains, you know, I wanted glue. I like how Bill's shocked. I'm just like, you were the last person in the world right now to be judging anyone in terms of glue and inhaling but then he explains that what it really was was that he knocked a mug off the table by mistake and he just wanted to try and get glue to um to fix it and then bill has a great reaction she's like oh thank goodness i always hate that one anyway and declan seems quite shocked she just says it would have been simpler if you just told us you know and then you know, and I think it's probably a thing with, with Declan, you know, bear in mind he's probably he's never been in a very stable situation, a family home life. If he's done something like that before, he's probably been 
more likely hit or something. Battered, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in this instance, he's with a family who... Well, I, I'll always remember this. I don't know why I made me think this, but I always remember I did sociology at, at GCSE and I watched a do- uh, we watched a documentary about domestic abuse. And I always remember there was a girl in it who she went to her friend's house for dinner with her and her family and her friend's brother, younger brother, accidentally knocked something and and it was a glass or something and it broke and this girl said i just instantly because of what she'd grown up with she thought oh this is gonna kick off he's gonna get beaten up and what she really and it was a moment she realized things are different in other homes Mm. in homes in the 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 parents said don't worry it was an accident just be careful next time and i just i don't know why just i just sort of had that kind of thought with this because actually that bill and ben are pretty civilized people who know things happen and they they, they can't judge in terms of... They, they're the last people in the world to judge about making stupid mistakes. Yeah, yeah. They're the most yeah. accidental, accident-prone people in the world. So when Ben says, you know, just try and be careful next time. And again, this is quite funny. He says, and then no one gets hurt. And Deccan says, like you. Mm. And he's like, you know, and then um, Bill says, you know, David, you were in charge of him. And he says, she says you did the right thing. And then gives him a hug. It's not too soppy, but it, it's nice. Keith then appears and asks Ben if he's all right. Ben says, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you must be pretty tired out. And Keith says, oh, no, I like a lot of exercise. I do it every day. And then Ben asks if Jenny's all right. And Keith says, no, she's got a headache. And, and I like how Ben says, has she, has, she now, has she now? Has she? <laughs> Thinking that it's all going to be fine. And then Keith says, yeah, never mind. Then he leans down next to Ben and says, I like a challenge. <laughs> and then walks away and like how Ben turns but does it so hard that he hurts himself because he's obviously pulled himself too much and even Bill who likes Keith with her both hands on the um on the bag of peas on her head she just even looks a little bit like shocked by what he said um and that ends the episode nice little nice little ending that yeah nice little I, to end on I think you know again when I watch the show now I we watch these episodes in a very different way because of the podcast of Sim trying to break everything apart. And then series eight, I think I said this last week, I, I have only ever seen the first episode fame and the millennium experience, the last episode, most of all, the, the, the middle episodes of see that I've not really seen as much as the others, but I have to say with this one, the two things that kind of stick, stick out for me is this really does feel like almost a swan song for David and Jenny, if this was to win the final series knowingly. Because in a way, although they end, obviously they're in the next few episodes and have prominent roles, this is one where you really show that they've grown up. That mm-hmm. David's taking responsibility for Declan. Jenny is grown up. She's now a, a, a young woman. She's in a new relationship. She's falling in love in a proper way, not quite as she was for, which was more teenage love, even though her and Keith are quite like, like, like teenagers in love. But the, but the script and the structure of it is just so clever. It's not a farce, but it's so but it's structured so brilliantly that everything kind of works well together. And just like take, take the police officer, for example. He meets up, he meets, he's, he's called to a scene where Declan has been accused of stealing something or, or potentially stealing something. He then is going towards Bill's workplace, then gets pulled away because of the piano incident who's Ben he then ends up going to the to the warehouse to tell Bill about Ben's injuries 
all the while he has been he's he's i would love to i mean best thing about comedy is when you don't see things but i think it would have been hilarious him just turning around to find rona and jenny on the floor and with these clothes all over it. He, he he won't realize that they're all the same people because obviously bill doesn't know about Declan until the end so it, none of it makes sense. He's more worried about Ben and telling Bill about Ben. But it's just so the whole thing that, that this one police officer has been subjected to the porter's madcap life in one day. And, and you know, with the glue in terms of now I know it's glue from the scene in the lockup and then with Declan. I mean, the whole thing is, is, is really cleverly written and shows that Andrew was still producing the fresh stuff. How many series can get to series eight and produce something that's still clever yes it's not just recycling yeah. no it, it, it doesn't you, the one thing i can you can definitely never say about 2.4 children ever is it ever rested on its laurels and just kept doing the same thing ever mm-hmm. it never repeats itself and even if some people have said that they don't feel it was as fresh by the end you can't say it wasn't original by the in the final series it still produced stuff that you hadn't seen before sure yeah mm-hmm. what are your final thoughts on it you had a few things you you wanted to mention earlier Oh no, I think I think we've kind of kind of covered those. Um, but it, no, it, it was a very enjoyable, very well written, very lean episode. As I said, it, you know, there wasn't any padding, um, and everything one thing fed into another thing. And the glue, the whole glue, uh, <laughs> the whole glue sort of subplot, yeah, um, wrong footed everybody as well because you expected that you know Declan's shoplifting glue. Um, but it ends up that this foster his foster mother is the one that gets high you know yes. um it's it, no very 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 enjoyable uh, very well written episode very well performed by all um, bill has said before about worrying about the kids sniffing something and she ends up, well jenny ha- can, is with her but she ends up you know taking drugs with her daughter and her best friend <laughs> Yeah, not yeah, intentionally, yeah. but yeah. it's funny. Yeah. So, so Tyler, how, what would you give this episode out of five stars? Uh, I give it a good four. A good four, and that's only because I really enjoyed it. But I haven't seen all the episodes, obviously, and I haven't watched them for, for quite a while. So I'm sure there are stronger episodes out there. So, but yeah, I give it four. I'm the same. I think for again for last series, it's it, and I said, and watching it all almost with a fresh perspective. I think yeah, it's it holds up and it still was original. Yes. Yes. So before we conclude the chat. Of course, I mentioned that you are host of the Goon Pod. So if you want to take this moment to talk about that or plug anything that you do, um, I would love to, um, I want yeah. our listeners to learn a bit more. Yeah, I mean, it's it basically, it started out as a podcast just talking about, originally it was just to talk about the Goon Show, which is a very old, um, but still relevant, sort of the granddaddy of alternative comedy, or it, it, it was a direct influence on Monty Python, and it, and it made stars of, Peter Sellers, Spike Milligan, Harry Seekin, Michael Benting, and what it's evolved into. We've got like 60 plus episodes now. Um, it, it's evolved into talking about anything that has a sort of a goon connection. So that can be a Sellers, Peter Sellers film. So recently we talked about the Inspector Clouseau, Pink Panther film series, for example. Um, episode that's dropping tomorrow is about another Peter Sellers film from the 60s. Uh, we talk about you know, Spike Milligan, uh, TV, films, books, 
Um, anything that's and, and I have guests like I've had um, recently the comedian Al Murray. You know, he's, he's come yes. on and talked about Spike and his love of that of, of, of Spike and the Goon Show and how that inspired him. I've had uh, people like David Quantic, Mark Thomas, Jane Milligan, Spike's daughter. Uh, many, yeah, many people come on just to talk about how they because I'm as I say I'm in my forties and and a lot of them, a lot of my guests have been people of my generation, you know, Generation X, who grew up in households where people like Spike Milligan, you know, Spike Milligan books were in the lavatory, you know, like, or, you know, tapes of the Goon Show were being played by their dads in the car, you know. Um, and we very often, the conversation will, will, will just evolve and just branch off and we'll start talking about comedy in general. So almost invariably, every episode, we'll start talking about Monty Python or we'll start talking about the Beatles because there's a strong Beatles goon show or goons um, link uh, influence. So um, it's, it's, I would say it's a, it's a podcast for people who are lovers of classic British comedy. Um, don't be put off if you, you know, if you think the goon show is something that you've never heard or, or not interested in, because I think there's something, there, there'll be an episode there for most people who, if they like British comedy. Yes. Uh, have you done Doctor Strange? Uh, Doctor Strange. But Doctor Strange Love. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Have, did that. Did that quite early on, actually. Um, and uh, yeah. So so it's it's kind of it's almost like it's not, but it's almost like a limitless kind of uh, limitless uh, sort of subjects that we could tackle because there's so many Peter Sellers films. There's so many films which feature Milligan and so many many Milligan TV series and so many Goon Show episodes as well. And just and and it, it, you know we can we can just it with like it, it, coming up in the next couple of months we're going to have an episode about George Martin obviously the Beatles legendary producer but he produced um, a couple of sort of seminal Peter Sellers uh, comedy LPs in the fifties um, so we're going to have an episode talking about George Martin working with Sellers and with Milligan so yeah as I say it's not just about the Goon Show it's it's about that period and and comedy into the 60s 70s even into the 80s so um Keep it yeah and it's available it, it, it's it's on you know most places you you would get your podcast from and where could people and what what's your um social media handles for people to find you on there oh it's um it's uh what is it now it's on twitter it's at goon show pod uh um and it's really twitter's the main place that i that, you know that I sort of communicate uh, with people and uh, promote the show to be honest well I, I think it, for me I love a podcast that can is wide-ranging and you know you, you've I think anything I think for a podcast if you're whatever subject you're doing if you have to do everything you know find every episode episodes that just explore every element and I think you're doing that really well and it's just plenty to to go by so really well done and it's a very and I know a lot of people think very highly of it so congratulations on it thank you very much and uh, and more power to you because you're going to be running out of episodes soon, aren't you? Yes, I, I will be. Yes, and then um, but then there will be. Well, there's some announcement coming soon, but you you you'll, people will you'll you'll find out soon. But Excellent. Tyler, thank you so much again for your time, and I wish you all the best with the Goon Show podcast. Oh, I've had a lovely time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's been really enjoyable, and thank you to everyone listening. You know, there is only three episodes of the Two Point Four Children left. So next week, we're joined by another new guest. His name is Ren, and he watched the show in the 90s as well, and he will be joining me to discuss After the Fox. 
Until then, oh, have a great oh, one. oh, do you know what? Yeah, isn't that crazy? Sorry to completely talk, break no, in there. Never had this before. Go, go for it. You know, you said, um, you know, I said just before, there's a film, uh, there's an episode of Goonpod dropping tomorrow, which is another Peter Sellers film from the 60s. It's after you know the what Fox. That, it's after the Fox. How spooky is that? Isn't that freaky? Okay. Well, <laughs> social media not... tomorrow, a few weeks ago when you guys hear this, will be promoting that Goon Show episode. <laughs> well, that was unintentional, but. That's quite, that's quite creepy. <laughs> it was meant to be. I think this conversation yes. was meant to be. I think a lot of the, every guest I've had, it's all, and for the episodes I've had, it's all meant to be and about when it's meant to be. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you very much. And so next week will be After the Fox, the 2.4 episode, but available now is the Goon Pod and their episode of After the Fox as long, along with all the others. Thank you to everyone listening. And the moral of this week's episode is don't sniff. Global.